y'all. Welcome back. I am I am so excited right now. I've known this person for, I mean, shit, dude, maybe a decade or at least like close to it or whatever. And I've honestly, I've wanted you on the show for a long, long time. So I am thrilled to have her with us. Everybody, please welcome Aaron to the show. Dude, how you doing, man? How, how's life? How's, you know, how, how's living where you're living and all that? What a lovely intro. <laughs> I, yes, we have known each other for such a long time. Um, I'm good. You know, still living, you know, that dream in Denver to Love rent it. for the rest of my life. But, you know. Aren't we all? Right. <laughs> oh, but yeah, really good. Thank you. How are good, you? Dude. dude, you know, tired with kids and, and things and, and, and puppies that are now. Dude, here's, here's the biggest bitch lately. Uh, you know my son wakes up at 5 a.m. every day. That's just what he does. And now the puppies wake up at 5 a.m. every day because they hear him wake up at 5 every a.m. So they're super yeah. loud. Now they wake up Emery. So now I have all four of them up by like 5.30 every single day. So I'm a little tired. How is your new uh, kitty cat? It's not kitten really so much, but how, how's, the new, how's the new cat? She's great. Um, we were in a fight for like the first like month or two that I had her. Um, and it's just because like you... I always go into this with the understanding that you can train a cat. You can't do shit with a cat. So, um, <laughs> basically we finally gotten, I finally gotten into a submissive place with her. So she has running the household. Well, everything is great. <laughs> I love it. Just for our listeners who don't know, I mean, Aaron is a big cat person and I have always been as well. It's probably why I get along. What's special about your newest cat? Because your newest cat is, uh, I mean, special is just the easiest way I can say it, but it's awesome. <laughs> Um, so I want to clarify for our listeners, you know, whoever our listeners, all the millions of them out there, (laughs) I'm an animal lover. I will say that, um, cats present the best opportunity for me to continue living a life without being on an incredible schedule. Yeah. Um, she's very special. She, um, I, I have a, I have a real affinity for misfit toys and she, uh, is, is, it's nothing different than that. <laughs> she, um, she had a tough upbringing, and she is uh, missing her bottom jaw. And if you can hear anything in the background, that is her probably attacking some sort of bug in my house that she will make sure dies. Um, but yeah, she is. Her name is Lex. All of my cats are affectionately named after the Wu Tang, so her name Hell is Lex yeah. Diamond. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so she is, uh, yeah, she's, she's great. She's wonderful. She, she too loves to wake up about 5 a.m. Perfect. Perfect. And then she loves to sleep for the rest of the day. So it's usually her trying to sleep while I'm poking her to be like, hey, remember last night? Yeah. Yeah. yeah now I'm awake. What's up? Right. How does she eat with like, with no like bottom row of teeth? <laughs> um, so I, I probably was being slightly hyperbolic, but that's what one does when they have a cat without a jaw. <laughs> um, but she has part of her lower jaw. So she just she was in a on really, one side. Yeah. So she was in a really tough situation where she was um, attacked by a dog after she had her litter. And so Yo. she protected. I just found this out like last week. So now this is why she gets away with everything. I'm like, get up on the counters. That's okay. She um, had kittens, got attacked by kittens. a dog, and then fought she it off? Fought it off, and it, it ripped off her jaw. And what a badass. Part, part of it, right? And then her, I found out that her owners uh, just did nothing about it. So the rescue that got her in New Mexico, you know, filed all these charges, took her in, got her all fixed up. She actually, I got her through Planned Pethood out in Wheat Ridge. Shout out to Planned Pethood. Yep. They did all of her surgeries, took care of her, and... Wow. Now she is my um, problem child. Yeah, but she's a bad bitch. I like her even more now. She That's, is. That is. She awesome. Is. <laughs> well, perfect. You having a cat will definitely lead us into the the witch topic. But before we do that, <laughs> our our millions of listeners need to get to know you as a person. So we have a a scientifically formulated. This is a very professional personality oh, quiz. God. Are you ready? Oh, this no. is going to go oh. hard. Oh, okay. Let's go. <laughs> question one. Question one. Uh, it's a two-parter. Chicken wings. Are you a fan? No. No? no. In- okay, well, shit. All right, so part two was what's your favorite sauce of choice? Are you vegetarian? I know our little I, like friend group is such a weird food-related friend group. Are you, are you veggie? So, no. So here's where we're at. 
Um, I'm a texture person. Uh. So chicken wings having a bone and like cartilage and different pieces, like where I can't really control the experience. That is a little bit out of my, my excitement level. So if we're talking boneless wings, let's do it. If we're talking vegetarian wings, I'm here for it. But if we are talking like primitive bone in like, we don't know where the chicken came from. It could have a shin splint. I don't know. It's just not my thing. <laughs> Dude, Sarah, I mean, my wife, really my listening, but you know, Sarah, she, she won't eat chicken on the bone either. She will not touch that nonsense. Wow. Okay. So uh, if you do like boneless chicken wings, what is your <laughs> sauce of choice? Um, you know, I, I, I have a sauce for every season. I, uh, mm. Mm. I'm a, I like Parmesan garlic when it's easily a top know, three. Right. Like, like when I'm just trying to have like a lovely evening, but if I like have like a really delicious ranch, then I'll go a little hotter, okay. but I tend to, I tend to stick in like the barbecue or Parmesan garlic kind of Same. spectrum. I am not a melt my face off type of a, a, a wing eater. I don't understand. You know, have fun if that's you, but that's just not, that is not my the thing. The olds yet. do that to you. When I was like young, I'd be like, yeah, let's fry that butthole. We- now I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah, man, we got friends. Personality test. (laughs) So far, you're nailing it, nailing it. All right, um, so uh, leaning into the witch stuff, kind of dipping our toe into it. If you could be magically gifted one of these two abilities, which would you choose? Ability one: you could speak any language in the world. If someone's talking to you in whatever language, you can understand it and then speak back fluently. Or would you want ability B? You can play any instrument in the world flawlessly just pick it up or sit down at the piano whatever it is. you are just amazing at it would you rather be language or music language 100 percent. really yeah. interesting okay i mean there is nothing more community focused than being able to like speak the same language as someone else dude dude so, i like, was oh go ahead I, no 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 go ahead I was at the gym. This is so, this is ridiculous, but it's true. I was at the gym yesterday and an older Hispanic dude sits down at the, uh, the, the bike next to me and the little YMCA next to us. It's a small little thing, but it's got the, like you can do the, the simulated bike rides through like Paris or through like Cozumel on the beach or whatever. And like, it's friggin' gorgeous. Well, this guy sits down to my, to my left and he's just like pedaling, but like the screen is still just saying like, select your map. And so, it, it, so in my head, I, ha- I, I took me like 20 minutes because I'm so bad at Spanish. And like, I, I really tried to like practice out my sentence that I was going to say like, hey, man, like, do you want me to help you? Like, compromiso, can I, can, can I, uh, presidente, and, and I, I don't remember the word for map. And I was all ready. And I was all, I, I, I was all ready to like try and help this guy out. And I go over and go, hey, man, compromiso map. And I just like, I just panicked. And he just goes, what? I speak English. I was like, ah. <laughs> So you can press a map, and I'm and I just left. My my workout was not done. I I had so I was like I gotta leave. I gotta leave now. I can't. Mm, I can't. Mm, mm. So I'm with you. <laughs> to be able to to have the confidence to speak to anybody in the world would be amazing. Yeah, but that's a totally different story. Like that is a completely different <laughs> so story than what you were just. I was so trying. I was really really trying. So oh lordy. Like, okay. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> if you. If you, Aaron, were cast in the remake of Hocus Pocus, which, I mean, side note, like top 10 movie possibly ever, certainly as a child, easily one of my favorites, which one of the Sanderson sisters would you want to be? Would you want to be Bette Midler's character, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, or Kathy Najimy's character? And judging by that face, do you know the movie Hocus Pocus? Am, am I throwing this out there and you haven't seen it? I've seen it like once. Holy just... shit. Joseph, I am a hundred years old. Like, like the movies that you're asking me about are just like you were like, like 24 I, when it came out. God love you. I was a hundred when I you don't came look out. it. I'm just saying, like you know, for, know. not for nothing, but you, you look great. You, you look honestly. Oh, you. you look younger than me, but that's because I don't sleep, so I got bags. You look great. I'm not even kidding. You that's look what like happens it. when you're a childless spinster. Get it, dude. Good for you. I'm I am jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then skip that one and we'll go to this one. If okay. you were, if we're going back in the day, back in the day, and you were convicted of being a witch, what would your, and this is a dark ass question, I'm realizing this mm-hmm. in real time, but whatever, what would your preferred method of execution be? Hanging? 
Christ. Yeah, no, this is real dark. I realized I wrote this a while ago because uh, we were going to do this a couple weeks back, and I'm reading these now like, oh, shit, I forgot. These are dark. Would you rather be, if you were convicted of being a witch, would you rather be hung, drowned, or burned at the stake? Um, I mean, if we're talking drama, burned at the stake. <laughs> it does put on um, the best show by far. Right? But probably in like the most... Like in the way that be like the most private is probably drowning. Mm. See, I uh, wow, interesting. I feel like drowning would be like at least hanging is done more or less quickly, whereas no, drowning not. and burning, like no, or do, do, yeah, if it doesn't no, snap not. immediately, you're just you're just no, sitting it's there. Exactly. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, and also like, do I want to start making weird noises in front of like a bunch of people? Like, yeah, ooh. I mean, it's for them to feel uncomfortable, not me. <laughs> If you just start like just operatic singing while you're on fire, just like I wonder how long I could hold this note and just, like, just I would, see how I long. Would turn, like this is how old I am. Do you remember the lady, like the newscaster that like smashed the grapes and then she fell on her neck? Fell off on her. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that would be the noise I would make. That would be. <laughs> oh god, that's a great video. That's that goes back to the early days of the interwebs. I love. And like it. to make other people uncomfortable, sure. But like, if I just want to like have my own private death experience, I'd rather drown. <laughs> well, the the your own death experience. We're gonna circle back to that if I can okay. accomplish such a feat later. But for now, I. I, I, I I don't want to be offensive because the more I research this, the more I realize the concept of, of witchcraft or Wicca or, or, or the idea of, quote unquote, being a witch, whatever that means. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yes, I, it, it, goes, it goes very spacey in some sects of this. It goes very like magical in others. So like, I don't know where you fall on the spectrum. H- how would you just describe yourself with regards to just be, you know, witchcraft or whatever? Okay. So that's a great question. And I'm actually really glad that I get to talk about it to like your massive amount of followers. I think we're up to 38 million. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing, I mean, here's the thing. So first it started probably like a lot of other white women, how it started, right? Where it's like Instagram, witch. let's put some eyes on the wall. I'm going to put, burn some sage in my house, right? And do all this stuff. So it probably started there, not going to lie, okay. right? Like really interested in astrology, really interested in tarot, but I also consider myself a bit of a science witch. So like things would happen or I would have these experiences that I couldn't explain. I'm like, mm, this isn't real. So like mm-hmm. this constant kind of like checking of, of whether or not the experiences, like almost like gaslighting myself, right? Like, is that real? Huh. Are you sure? Okay. So cut to March, 2020, the entire world shuts down, right? Yeah. Then cut to the summer. We have many, many black people being killed needlessly. I mean, and not to say, not to say that like this hasn't been happening for years before, but like we've, we finally kind of been absolutely brought in front of, these heinous crimes because we're finally forced to stay in our houses. Right. Mm, and look, and at we're it. finally it's, it's, forced yeah. to look at it. And so, um, up until this point, I've been doing like a lot of unpacking in general about what it means to be a white woman and consider myself like a witch, what that means with like ancestral healing. And I finally realized that like the only way that I was going to be able to, to feel like I was really part of this type of community is to apply whatever, I know and what I do to, to real social justice activism Hmm. through this. And so, um, did quite a lot of like ancestral healing coming from like, obviously very white lineage, trying to understand like what we've done, trying to heal a lot of that, because I don't know if you know this, but there is like this very serious theory that like trauma and just, well, we'll just keep it a trauma, right? It gets passed down ancestrally, whether or not you know about it. And trying to find ways to kind of make good on some of the things that I think that like my ancestral lines have done. And um, once I started to kind of connect to some of the social justice work, going to protests, um, being a part of community, uh, doing 
like all of like the conjure work that I would do is taught to me by people of color. And I only do that conjure work for people of color. I don't do it for anybody else. I'm curious what conjure work means. If you don't, I'm sorry to derail you, but what what does, what is that? So there are lots of different types of closed practices that are not open to white people. Um, I have been very fortunate that some conjure workers of color have opened up some of their practices, but we use them, or at least I use them very responsibly, or I hope responsibly, where it's just for social justice work and protecting our community of color. So um, conjure work, there's lots of different types of religions. I can just kind of like, maybe not religions, but like groups of conjure where you can like Ifa, uh, Palo, uh, Brujeria, uh, Vudan, like just so many different types of closed practices that were literally created as a way to protect people of color from white people, right? From white supremacy. And so as a result, like that's when things get really tricky. Like when you, you know, watch a TV show and they're like, Ooh, voodoo's bad. Right. Like, look at this voodoo doll. Like it turns it into like a joke yeah, or like this, or, or like this thing to be scared of when literally all of this was created as a way like to protect all of these people that were just kidnapped from their countries <laughs> and brought over here. And so I was very, um, fortunate to like work with a really wonderful woman who practiced Ifa, who practices Ifa, And she, you know, I told her, I was like, I have a very complicated relationship with like my lineage. And I don't know if I can connect with my ancestors to really connect with this work. And she was like, girl, those are the only ones you have. Hmm. So you have hmm. to do it. Yeah. And so once I did it, um, I actually, uh, and tell me if any of this is making sense. No, like, am I'm I going too far off the no, rails? Like my, my, uh, I mean, obviously I was raised like super religious. We've talked about this once or twice, but like the, the frame of what I'm hearing with this ancestral healing is it's almost the concept or at least a, it's a, it, what I'm going to say is a bastardization of what you just said, you know, just go with me. It sounds a lot like the idea of original sin. You're you're paying for your fathers and your forefathers and your grandmothers' fuck ups as well. That they they are all technically passed on to you, which is you know I, I don't even know if I even necessarily believe that, but it does sound like along the same similar at least paths of like you, we all have stuff that has been heaped onto us that we didn't necessarily choose. Is is that kind of where you're aiming? Yeah. Yes, I would say like as far as like a white supremacy angle, a hundred percent. Right. Like, but. I guess so God, getting into like actual religion like I that's probably like a whole other podcast that we can talk about at another time I'm game but like but like it's why I kind of love this work is because like it's not dogmatic it doesn't have like a right or wrong way of doing things in general you probably know me enough to know that I don't like to follow a whole lot of rules <laughs> So, like, you know, I would say that, like, organized religion was something that, like, never really um, resonated with me. So, like, my family didn't even really go. So I don't have that as, like, a huge frame of reference other than, like, my friends telling me how much guilt and shame they've experienced as a result of it. Right here. Yep, yep. Right. And so what I love about this is that, like, you're probably right, right? Like, the concept of original sin, the concept of trying to like make up for these things that you're carrying with you for generations and trying to find a way to heal and also connect. And so I think like as a result, um, everything that happened this summer, trying to like do as much, like, I want to say like healing work that I could do with like certain, you know, I would say goddesses or saints that I work with a little bit and like send healing to their families. I mean, it's not like a, a hopes and prayers thing, right? Like it is like actual real specific work plus donating money plus protesting. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of like the intersection that I kind of always try to like be in is like, not only am I like doing the work here with like the tools that I have, but like we also live in a capitalistic society and you need to fucking show up. Bruh. So dude, that's, that's, that's interesting. Cause like I, I am, I, I don't know where I fall on, on the belief of how much thoughts and prayers affect reality. I, I do 
think that the the power of the human mind does have the ability to do something. What that is, I don't know. But if all you're giving are thoughts and prayers, fuck you. I'm sorry, but like if, if, if totally. you're not if you're not getting out of your chair and all you're doing is thoughts and prayers, you, you're. In fact, it's interesting because I, I found a, a quote from uh, she's I guess she's a witch and she's a writer in uh, New York Times. She has an op-ed piece. Pam Grossman. She goes, I, I do magic but I also march in the streets for causes I believe in. Exactly. If you don't have both, I don't want to hear it. I don't care what it is you believe. Christianity, voodoo, doesn't matter. If you're not also trying, I don't want to hear it. You cannot call yourself a witch, a conjure worker, anything, especially one one that's white, and not do social justice work. It doesn't Hmm. work like that. Hmm. So what I'm hearing, it's less, and I'm sure there is a mysticism part to it, which I, I want to get into, but it, it doesn't, it, it's not necessarily, like, I think what you said earlier actually is great. Like, the idea that they've made voodoo, they being just whoever the dominator culture is, and that's stealing a concept from Terrence McKenna, but whatever. Who, making this, this concept of voodoo into a joke or the magician into a joke, it's a way to to corrupt this this ancient culture that does have strength and meaning and it's a way to corrupt that and just throw it into the just oh it's a, it's a silly joke so don't even think about it don't even worry about but it. that's capitalism right exactly strip away anything that's ancient and just look at now and here's your microwavable mac and cheese don't question it go to work like that it seems like what you guys are doing and i, I assume mainly you girls whatever it is it is it mostly a feminine thing because i mean that's kind of what i'm finding but it is, is that is the concept of witchcraft exclusively feminine or is that just it just happens to end up with mostly women so I think what's so interesting is that it's come on this journey with me. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I think like what we're calling witchcraft right now, and I'm, I'm putting up yeah, my air, air quotes, quotes for those. Yeah. Is that like, it's like one specific idea that you have. Like when you look at me and you see me, right? Like witchcraft, right? Like Stevie Nicks spinning around, <laughs> lighting incense. Like I totally get it. The concept I think of connecting to an energy that can help you get away from systems of oppression is so much larger than that. Mm. And I think that like witchcraft, you know, as it stands is like a white, you know, colonized woman kind of practice, totally a thing, but it reaches so far beyond that. So I don't even know that it's something that I even consider. Has it traditionally probably been more gender specific? Sure. I would say now, like the way that we're working together and the way that like the way that we're all kind of going back to like these very simple principles Mm. in general, like sure, we attach like some of that to the feminine, but like if we want to kind of pull ourselves out of like the turf war, like it's become very like non-binary. It's become very gender fluid. Hell yeah. And I think like as a result, it's made it like a much more interesting and a much more like open practice. So like, let me wax a little bit more here, but like, I would say since the summer of 2020, this concept of like witchcraft is really just community. Hmm. It really is just like boots on the ground, making sure that your community has water, making sure your community has resources, checking in on your neighbor Right. Like that is kind of what I consider like modern, you know, air quote witchcraft yeah. these days. It's it's community. It's far more practical hearing what you're saying than what I was finding online. And I was finding, you know, there's this Pam Grossman woman I love. Everything I found from her I like. But it, there's people that take it way weirder. But the, the point of view you're taking, I really appreciate it. It's, it's more... It's more work centered. It's more action focused. It seems yes. than than you know seances and and you know I, I, I'm surprised you don't have your horns on. I was expecting uh, you know some <laughs> you know what I mean? like it, it's it's so. But again, that that's what the media would have me believe. That's what you know a quick Google search. The first page of Google is all crazy bullshit, and it's it's all weird people wearing stuff and seances. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what you're describing is a far more practical, real world kind of a thing. But like, that's like why I was so excited to have this conversation with you in general. Like being a death doula is witchcraft. Hmm. Your wife being a part of like this wonderful birth community and like this child rearing community, that's witchcraft. Hmm. It's the idea of like lifting your community and making space for your community to thrive. That to me is modern witchcraft in like its best form. I love it. 
and this is just, you know, I admit this is just me because I relate. I try my best to relate everything to everything else. I want one functioning philosophical thought that can be an overarching thing. But what you just described sounds very similar to to Christian ministry. It sounds very similar to, to uh, I mean, you know, Meg, the, the Buddhist's teachings that she has always expressed. It sounds very similar. Just It's a very basic love your neighbor style, just like some very archaic principles of just don't be a dick it is all it really sounds like. And it seems right, like it's true everywhere. Like it comes without consequences too, right? Mm, like, I like that though. I like that Because like for me, like, I don't know. I don't, I hope this is not super disrespectful, Say but it. like, I mean, I don't subscribe to a sky daddy. Like I, <laughs> like, I love it. you know, I try to keep like right with my ancestors. Like I do a lot of death work. And as a result, I've been introduced to Santa Muerte. She is like this Saint death. Right. And she welcomes people in their transitions. She is absolutely closed to like Paulo Brujuria, but I have been so lucky to have been introduced to her. And so as a result, like when I come home from doing my death work and spending time with patients and doing things like that, I light candles for her. And they're always for the people that I've talked to. They're never for me. They're just for those folks. And like, that's why I do this. Wow. How did you get in? Well, actually, hold on. Before we get there, because I do, I I do want to go there. (laughs) But like, wow, God, there, I have so many more questions now. All right. Um, God damn it, this got so serious, and now I have a really stupid quiz. So you're ready, you're ready for a really stupid quiz, and then we'll go back, because I, I do want to circle back to that death doula. That sounds so Welcome interesting. Welcome to but... the Buzzkill Show, starring you. <laughs> Believe me, I did, a whole, I did a solo episode last week, and there was like one joke in 40 minutes. So don't worry about it. You're good. You are good. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the more silly uh, media-centered witches, um, and then we're going to have a witch quiz here. First one, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart's finest work, obviously. How many seasons did that sitcom run? See, now I'm just like thinking about Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm old as shit, dude. <laughs> well, that came out when you were what, 46? Is that about right? Yeah. I'm now I'm 100. <laughs> um, like five, maybe? Seven. Close. Okay. Close. All, All right. right. So can you name, obviously besides Melissa Joan Hart, can you name anybody else from that show? There's three or four like sort of kind of famous folk from that show. Could you name any of them? Or like they're like the actors? Yeah, the, the actual actors. I don't even know why I asked. I don't know any of them anyway. <laughs> Caroline Ray being the most uh, most notable oh, okay. one. And then cool. Martin Maul, Paul Feig, and uh, Beth Broderick was the other witch uh, on that show. Just no case. idea. Yeah, no. I wouldn't have no gotten any of that shit either. Uh, this one this will be easier. This one, these are multiple choice. Which of these three celebrities actually made, one of these three did make a guest appearance on Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Avril Lavigne. Britney Spears? Yes. Season four. She showed okay. up on an episode. All right, next one. Paula Abdul, Mary J. Blige, Janet Jackson. Wait a minute. Were they guest stars or is this like one of the, the three? The was, yeah. Oh, <laughs> one of the three <laughs> was in, uh, I think it was season four. Yeah, one of the three was in season four of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson, Mary Blige. God, I want it to be Mary J. Blige, but she's too cool for that. She's I bet it's Paula cool. Abdul. It is Paula Abdul. You're killing I mean, she's, she's very TV-centered. Very, very much. Yeah, yeah. She, she was all over it. Uh, also, Randy Travis uh, was in season one, and Donald Faison of Scrubs was in season two, just for anybody out there that cares. This one gets a little darker. A <laughs> little darker. Who was the first person in recorded history to be executed for witchcraft? And there's no way you'll get this, so I'll give you three names. Giles Corey, Janet Horn, Bridget Bishop. Giles? <laughs> Giles Corey. Janet Like these Horn. are not all like these the, are not all. All three women. of these were executed for witchcraft. Who was the first? Bridget, Giles, or Janet? <laughs> Well, who was I going to say? Uh, why, don't we go, why don't we go with Giles? I do like Giles, but Bridget Bishop. Oddly enough, this is insane, by the way. This is absolutely insane. She was put on trial for both witchcraft and conspiracy uh, with the devil. 
She was Love proven. Her. She was proven innocent of witchcraft, but guilty of conspiracy with the devil. Like you what, go, girl. What what evidence did they have that said, well, yeah, clearly she's not a witch, but also obviously she's working with the devil. Like what kind she, of a what kind of a jury was like? Yeah, totally. I, I buy. It. I mean, I guess it's probably girl. Not. Girl, boss that execution. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, all right, last <laughs> last question of this, this stupid quiz. What country, and I'll name you three, what country had the most recent witch burning? Scotland, America, or Ireland? Which one Scotland. had the most re- recent? Scotland? Scotland was 1662 Scotland. was their last witch burning. Uh, America was actually more recently in 1692, and Ireland in 1711 had their last witch burning. Burning, yeah, is... I, I heard the Supreme Court overturned witch burning versus something. <laughs> that's insane. Like that's that's really not that long ago. We were fucking doing that nonsense. It, it's yeah, it's I mean, absolutely insane. So like when it comes to that kind of nonsense, like, and I don't even necessarily mean nonsense. Like I know that whatever that, that that was clearly they were just burning smart women is all they were doing or whatever. Does that part come up? Is there any part of it that's like? I don't know, this is a leading question. Is there, is there any, like, spiteful nature uh, of the witchcraft sect that's like, God damn it, like, white dudes have kind of ruined a lot of shit. Is there any of that in the society? Yeah, because but I'm like, not mad at that, if there is. No, there absolutely is. But, like, you also have to think about it, too. Like, I mean, the, the, like, that's kind of, like, what the country is founded on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, another day. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah dude. like it's like yeah it sucks but like what was different yesterday than it is today it's really i mean yeah i mean nowadays it's even more blatant honestly in, in certain aspects with well with, yeah, with everything. i also yeah. want you to know and i want your users or your users users here, here we go with my uh, product design hat on but um <laughs> we are listeners to know hi everybody hey, um <laughs> is that um like i don't separate myself i don't separate white women from white men Hmm. Like we are, we are in the same camp. We are just as dangerous. We have a lot of unpacking to do ourselves. Mm. So, um, I yeah. liked it. it. A lot of this feels very, and not in, a, it not in the, not a self-centered, like I'm a selfish way, but it's very self-centered in the, I admit I have a lot of work to do on myself is what yeah. I'm doing. A lot of this, that's wow. This goes so much deeper than I was really expecting it to go, but this is incredibly interesting. So like when when you say you're doing this work about your ancestors, like it's not necessarily, or is it necessarily, are you doing like research on who your great, great grandparents were, or or is it more the concept of what it is, you know, we as our race of people have done, or is it both? You know, I don't know. Like if you don't mind, dive into that more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it a hundred percent, it goes hand in hand. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, my mom has like, I think she has kind of, it, she had a stroke. So she has some like, a, she has some like memory issues. So sometimes she will like grasp this memory and like tell me something that's like absolutely horrific. And then, and then I'll ask her about another time. She's like, no, I don't think that ever happened. Like there's like this just insane amount of like changing the narrative you know, trying to hide behind being a good person that like, Mm. I will never figure out all the stuff that my family and my lineages have done or my lineage has done. So I try to do as much as I can to like, not even atone because you can't atone. You can't change what happens, but like try to like live in spite and support, you know, marginalized communities as, I don't even want to say that's a terrible way to put it, but like yeah, but... S- support folks like that don't look like yeah, us. They right? need help. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Everybody needs help regardless of how you look, but we got dealt the white card, which is at least where we live. The good one, I guess, whatever the lucky one, whatever. But like, I think we, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to give our generation like a huge pat on the back, but like we are diving into this more as anybody under 50 nowadays than anybody before, I think. I, I, you know, obviously, I can't speak for the 1300s, but I'm just guessing. We are taking stock in who we are and why we are the way we are, whereas I don't think that was questioned a lot before. I, I certainly at least can speak to my parents. They never really questioned you know, why it was they were the way they were. They just kind of ran with it, whereas we, you and me, and anybody else I talk to about this kind of stuff, anybody that goes to therapy, anybody that has a counselor, anybody that does introspection, 
we're starting to at least try to piece together, like, why are we this way? And why have we been so aggressive for hundreds, if not thousands of years? Where do you think it goes? How, how far, like, how many, do you think there will ever come a generation, even if it's hundreds of years, thousands of years in the future, that will actually be at peace with at least some of their history? Do, do you think we are moving in the right direction in that way? That it, we might get to where a place where people aren't embarrassed of their, of their ancestor past? No. Damn it. it, I agree. No. No. And I think the thing is too, is that it's like, like we're so lucky right now. Right. In Mm. general. But what I mean is, is that like, we are so lucky to like, see your kids grow up and see how much like your kids like are not concerned about, you know, their aunts. Right. Mm. You know, like they don't even they don't even like understand the concept of a heterosexual relationship. I love it. They're 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 like and like the more that we can kind of like figure out ways to stop interrupting this just like natural cycle of learning about the world around them without putting judgment Mm. or or our own perspective on it. I think we get closer. But like like but like part of like what I want to do with my death doula journey and again. I am not saying any of this to make myself seem great. I have done a lot of work and I have caused a lot of harm in my life. I've caused a ton of harm to a lot of people of color just for like my general ignorance and inability to see just inherent racism and white supremacy. So I don't, this, none of this takes me off the hook or makes me a better person, but this is part of the reason of like why I do what I do. And so the death doula work, which I know you haven't quite gotten there yet, but like I've gone through all my courses and the best thing that I heard in those courses was like, take it slow. Like you don't have to do anything with it now. And it's because like, I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do. And part of that, I think that I would love to do, and maybe this puts me on the hook and maybe that's really good is like, we have so many people that are like dying with just hoarded amounts of money. They don't have kids. They will probably want to give it to like these huge monolithic institutions that are just going to pay their people anyway. Salaries mostly. yeah. And so how do we get these folks to like invest in their communities? How do we get these folks to invest in the communities hmm. that they kicked out? How do we start to look at like reparative justice through wealth to try to like turn over some of this like capitalist kind of disgustingness that's happening Rugged you know that we're seeing all the time uh, it's all right. for me i brought myself up by my bootstraps all the money baby. right and so um yeah i just i guess i just like after you know covid and you know like i said having wonderful communities where I just totally fucked up and like they told me how much I fucked up and you know did I have to grow from that experience yes did I cause harm in those experiences absolutely am I going to spend my life trying to like do as much as I can to help like build up communities I caused harm in absolutely dude that that's incredibly self-reflective and really just brutally honest when you're looking at yourself and admitting these things, because that's, that's deep, man. Like, <laughs> like I, I've, I've certainly, uh, I mean, obviously last, uh, literally last night at the gym, I, I just assumed this guy couldn't speak English. Nope. He definitely goddamn could because I'm, a, I'm an asshole white guy that just, he was old and Mexican. So I just didn't know. It's awesome that you're seeing this. What, what kind of a toll does it take on you though? Like when, when you're doing like an end of life and somebody it genuinely has passed, how does that affect you? I mean, this, admittedly, this is a lot more siphoned of a question, a lot to very, very specifically just how do you feel? But how do you feel when, when someone genuinely has passed and you were with them and you know, that whole thing? Like, does that take a toll on you or, you know, how does that affect you? So if I'm honest, I haven't been with someone in their time of passing yet. Mm. Okay. Have I worked with people who have passed when I wasn't there? Yes. Oh, same thing. What's, what's um, that like? And I, that so, might not even be a fair question, I admit. No, I think it's wonderful. Like, literally, it's like the most sacred thing. Like, hmm. 
Like, I think we do so much, especially in this country, to, like, welcome beings in. And then we're so afraid of what's going to happen next that we do everything to ignore them when they're leaving this life, Hmm. too. And it's amazing. It is so... It is the, the experience is immense. It is, it is absolutely, it rocks you off your foundation. And there's like this beautiful saying that I got from like my, my most recent course with going with grace, shout out to going with grace. Alo Arthur is the coolest person that's ever existed in the face of this planet. Um, she always says strong back, soft front. And it's, You know, Ah, you have a job to do, you know, that you have to like find ways to put boundaries around the experience, but then also find ways to wrap the softest part of yourself to give grace to the person that's leaving. Jeez. That's wow. That's deep, man. But I I do. You're right. I I do wonder why, especially as a, a, a quote unquote Christian nation. I mean, considering that the majority of us, and not necessarily myself included, but the majority of us think that something is coming next, and a lot of people think that it's this overwhelming, comforting, awesome, you know, gold chariot, heaven shit. Why are we then so afraid of it? Why why are we so turned off by the idea of even talking about death? Because, like, I, I've done a couple of these episodes with people that up front, they were like, hey, I don't want to do this God talk at the end. Like, I don't want to talk about death. I don't want to talk about it. I was like, that's fine. Obviously, I get it. But, like, why? What do you, it's literally the thing that binds all of us. It's, it's going to happen to everyone, bar none, everybody. Why are we, why do we sit? I, I don't get it. Doing what you do, at least for the, the time you've been doing it, like, has that given you any insight to why we fear this? Or, or just personally, do you fear it? Is that, is that something that you fear? I mean, part of the reason why I started doing this work is because I did. Hmm. And it was mostly because oh. of how afraid I was of like my mom passing and my dad passing. Dude. And like, I've only been present for one death and it was my first cat, you know, like held her in my arms as she like passed out on me. And like, that was a lot, but like, it was so, it was so interesting because like in the moment I kind of kept saying to myself, like lean into this, like understand it. And like I did and I was present, but like, it's so You cannot intellectualize grief. You Mm. just can't. Mm. It doesn't make sense. There's no logic to get yourself in it or out of it. You're just feeling it. Right. And so, like, when we see someone dying, right, they, like, hopefully it's an old age. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. And when there is a long period of illness, all you do is see, like, someone who's weak, who no longer has value to society, right? Like that's what capitalism tells us. Mm. Like we're supposed to be working. We're supposed to be contributing to society. And then you see someone who's just genuinely, just getting old, who no longer has like their faculties. Maybe they don't, maybe they have dementia. Maybe they need help going to the bathroom. Maybe, you know, they're, they're frustrated with themselves because they feel useless. We are taught that illness, sickness, and death is useless. Yeah, dude. That's and scary. so we hide this away because we just, we don't want to be confronted with our own uselessness. And like, that's why, you know, and again, I, I do not mean to make assumptions or call anything out do it. that sometimes like, sometimes I do wish in certain circumstances with how many people I have watched die, like prolonged illness you know, sometimes going quick is more comforting to like not seeing someone, you know, waste away or having that person start looking at their life and like try to make up all these excuses as to why they're wasting away when they're just old. Yeah. Our bodies run out. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, actually I did an episode with a buddy of mine. Uh, his father passed of cancer, like slowly over like however many months or maybe even over a year, as I recall, whereas my dad passed, you know, his heart attack is gone. And comparing notes, he was glad that he got to say goodbye, but he also, I mean, he admitted, he was like, it's weird looking at this person that you've always looked up to. Is like, you know, it's your father. He's big, strapping, strong. And you just slowly watch him wither away, which I, I fully admit 
I'm glad I didn't see my dad that way. And maybe that's a there's a maybe there's a youthful ignorance there that I just don't want to accept him as having been you know become old. But like there's in a way it didn't taint the view of him. But that shouldn't. The idea that you stare at an old person and you can't get past the fact that they're old, like they were 30 at one point. They were 18 at one point. They were running around, you know, smoking and drinking and partying. Like we can't, really, we, I struggle to separate the, the person that I'm looking at that is potentially in a, in a you know, hospital bed or whatever. I, I struggle to separate the person that is there right now and their entire history that could be 70, 80 years of, you know, incredibleness. I don't know. It, maybe we're just fixated on the present moment, and I admit that's myself. I, I, I am a, a lot of times fixated on the present. We all but, are. Yeah, you know, like that's just America, I think, or maybe just the world. But I, I like your point that capitalism has, has pushed us to the, the idea that taking a break is bad. I mean, taking a day off is bad, much less years because you're in, you know, incapacitated or, or just getting old. Or you're the president, because go ahead and be 70 fucking whatever, and just go run the country. That's fine. You're, you're, it's okay, too. But, like, we, we can't accept that because, yeah, value is productivity. We, we, we can't see it any other way around. Is, right. is, is that something – I mean, do you talk about that? Is that something that is openly discussed with, with you know, either patients or other people in your field? Like, is that something you bring up and discuss? Like, hey, don't worry about being, you know – less than worthwhile, which is so not a good way to put that, but don't worry about not working. Is that, is that something that you bring up? Is that like an active conversation topic? There's so much that's so interesting around this. I, yeah, in I, general. Like, so, <laughs> we're coming up on like 50 minutes and I want like three I more know. hours. So we might do a round two, <laughs> but this is, this is wild to me. Like you're just so yeah. open about it because like, this is such yeah. a dark topic and it shouldn't be, but you are just such a, you know, besides your shirt, you, you are not a dark person. I, I've never found you to be that way. So this is just a very interesting topic. So like, what do you talk about? Like when you're sitting around, like, like, what do you all, you know, what's the, what's the, the social nature like? So, um, there is a man who was at the hospice for a really long time. Um, and it, when you're at the center, it's, it's unusual to be around for a really long time. Mm. And so I went to go visit him quite a lot. And uh, we just talked about everything he wanted to talk about. And it was mm. so wonderful because in the beginning, he wanted to reflect on his career. And so yeah. we talked about his about career that. quite a bit. And then the second time I went back, he really reflected on his garden. His garden was his favorite thing and how much he loved his trees and all the things that he loved. And then the last time I went back, he just talked all about his wife. Um, just like how much, you know, he loved their life together and like you start to just kind of see the things that are really important to people mm. at the end of life. And at the end of life, sometimes they'll tell mm. you things that they really want forgiveness for. Sometimes they will tell you things that like, that they just want to like love and they want you to love too and validate like how important these things were to them. Oh, wow. It's, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Like it's so beautiful and it's so taxing too like on the Dude. families on the person on you know the nurses that do this round the clock angels. right and like angels i don't know it's just I, it is such a gift to just be able to be there it is a gift and it, it's awesome to hear that what they're reflecting on isn't like bills that they missed or or, or you know it, some movie they watched one time it, it's important shit you know, family and the few hobbies you had and the things that brought you joy in life. And so you always like, maybe this, I, I know we're getting towards the end of the time. So I'm going to like, I'm going to help move this along for you, sir. <laughs> I, you I need how... all the help I can get. So I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that is why I do believe that there's something after this life. Perfect. And it's, and it's because like, I've seen it. Like people often when they are about to transition, they will see like their beloved sister, their friend, their mother, their pet. And like, it will be like this comforting experience. 
where they feel like they're being welcomed. And at the end of life, like, like this is the thing that I don't wish on anybody is that, and like, we, if you want to talk about it again, I can totally go through all these, these things, but there are very specific ways in which the body shuts down and it can be very jarring for loved ones and people to watch. Just the process has stopped. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it feels like you're worried that they're in pain and you're worried that they are, you know, that they're, they're really in a bad spot. And what you realize is, is that like, there is something, something happening around them that is taking care of them while their body shuts down. Dude. And I can't explain it. I have, I'm a science, witch. the science, which has no answer for this, <laughs> but like, but like they see they like, and part of like my first training being a death doula, like one of like the biggest thing takeaways and the biggest things they tell you is to like expect the unknown to embrace mm. the unknown because it's going to happen. And I do want to leave you with like this one little nugget. And the only way, like, cause like people talk about like, yeah, it's like hallucinations. It's all these things. Right. Cool. But I've experienced actual energy transfer. And so for someone who's in the living world, who has no business dying just yet, um, way back in my very early twenties. So like hundreds of years ago, um, <laughs> back in the black and white days. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> me, 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 me. Um, but, uh, I had a very close relationship with my boyfriend's grandfather at the time. Hmm. And he, his grandfather and his grandmother were living with uh, his parents and, um, you know, they were their caretakers. They lived in, in the home with them. And um, one night I had a dream, large, bright light. He walked in from the side on his walker and he just waved at me. And like, that was it. That was my whole dream and found out that he had passed away that night. <sighs> And so, look, I swear to God, well, to whatever, but, like, I would not put any stock in this had I not had some sort of experience like that, too. So there is something. There is some sort of energy transfer. There is something that happens. I buy it, and I'll play devil's advocate, and then I will I will play angel's advocate because I don't even believe what I'm about to say. Uh, the, the pineal gland is the thing that causes the hallucinations. It's technically the mm -hmm. third eye. Plenty of people talk about it. Joe Rogan talks about it, but I first heard about it from Terrence McKenna, who oddly enough, I referenced earlier in this episode. What up Terrence? Uh, hope you're good. It is responsible for your dreams. It, it, it produces dimethyltryptamine. It, it's the reason that you see and hallucinate. And in times of stress, it's the thing that takes over. It's the things that when, when, you know, when people say they saw the light, what they saw was the pineal gland. And even my own mother has had an experience where she saw a person who wasn't technically there in a time of, of fright. And she swears that it was Jesus, and that's fine. I don't know if it was or wasn't. She swears that it was. And it, as you die, your pineal gland activates, and it, it shows you these things. And the devil's advocate argument is, well, these are just hallucinations. You're, you're just seeing people that aren't really there, and you're, you're, just, you're just seeing these things, and it's just a chemical reaction. And that's fine if you want to believe that. But here's the other side of it, the part that I actually believe. Fucking why? It, fuck it. Why does any of that exist? And here's where I'm going to push it even further. If I were to hold up, I mean, right now, I'm staring at my computer screen. Aaron, I'm not staring at you. I'm staring at, quote, technically, kind of, uh, it's a hallucination. You are not right, right. there, I'm, but you still exist. We are still communicating. Even if it's not in person, we are still communicating. You still exist. This is really happening, even if it's technically not really happening. What's the fucking difference, man? Like, If you're truly believing that your great ancestors are coming to guide you across the rainbow bridge, for lack of a better term, who's to say they're not? How you can't we can't prove that what's actually happening right now even is happening. So why are we going to then take this this unnecessary stance on a thing that is comforting? As far as I'm concerned, that's the most comforting thing that you could possibly have happen. Why would we disregard it as some you know just oh it's just the pineal gland? Is it? And even if it is, then well, why does that exist? But why would it happen to me? Yeah, you know why would it happen mean? to anybody? It happens all the time, over like, and over and I, over again. But I wasn't dying. Right. Like I was experiencing someone else's death. Yeah. In real so, like, time. Like that's the, right. The, yeah. It, dude, so, it, like, that's. 
had I not experienced it myself, I'd be like, that's total horseshit, right? <laughs> like totally. It's all hallucinations. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's like Wizard of Oz. I totally get it. But like that experience has stuck with me for such a long time. Dude. So I, I've asked many people this question. And what I like is that there's tends to be a, a similar line. I don't necessarily want you to say what you believe happens after death because everyone's making it up. Anybody can think that they know, and that's fine. You're allowed to think that you know. I, I think that you're wrong. What do you want to have happen? Do you want a, a realm of existence after death where you recognize old friends, family, pets, etc.? Or do you want something that is completely new, it might even be a, a, a physical form less experience. It might be completely ether. It might be, you know, whatever. What do you want to have happen after death? My brain right now is just like processing <laughs> like everything that I've ever seen. It's a lot. It's a big question. I about like afterlife. Yeah. Um, I guess the way that I look at it, like if, cause again, science switch, right. Okay. Um, we are one very teeny tiny rock floating in pools, universes, atmospheres on the other side of black holes from like a thousand other things. And I think that it is like so narcissistic to think that we are so special that we get like elevated to this like very supreme existence. Like, do I hope it's awesome? Hell yeah. Do I think it's probably like this like reincarnation cycle to learn from our mistakes over and over again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's what I think. Also, your girl's a Pisces, so she never looks at the bright side. Hey. But like <laughs> <laughs> But like have you ever seen the movie Defending Your Life? I have not. No I've, surprise to anyone listening, but I have not. Yeah, I'm also like also it was probably made before you were born but (laughs) it is probably like the my favorite movie about death Hmm. because what it does is like it it basically is like set in purgatory where everyone is literally defending their life to try to get to go to the other side and like it is just like this it is it is just court case after like just I, i mean some type people are like, oh, I've got like four days. They're like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I've got seven. Ooh, you've Getting got trouble. seven days. And it's just like you like basically this. go back and you replay all of these moments in your life. And you're asked like why you did it. Hmm. What would you have done differently? Can you give us another example for when you kind of like atoned for this issue or something like that? It's got Meryl Streep and Albert, like Albert Brooks. Great. Oh, wow. That's going way back. I like it. Yeah, that's also it's like, surprisingly similar to the the Christian theory. I think it's Paul and anybody listening who is a Christian still and knows these things could call me on that. But at the pearly gates, they do genuinely like read you your list of things and like that you got to like atone for this shit. Like it's odd that so many like no matter because my co-host Vance, who is an atheist, has been on the show thousands of times. But we, he, he's talked about it multiple times where he said he wants to believe. He wishes he could believe that there is a sky god and everything's going to be happy, Corey, happy go lucky, and all the things. Like he just doesn't. And it's it's similar to what you just said, and you guys are not at all on the same astral plane of belief. And it's odd that, it, that everybody everybody I've asked tends to sort of kind of say that they hope that it's for the best, which is, if nothing else, it's a unifying factor, which at least gives me some peace that even though everybody believes something different, no matter, you can put any two people in a room, and if you ask them a thousand questions, you're going to disagree on something. But somehow we all tend to agree that we kind of want that next step to be something. Uh, even if the even for people that believe that there's nothing, advances is, is on the record as saying that he definitely believes it's guaranteed nothing, and I think he's wrong, and that's fine. But he wants there to be something, and I, I think that's something we can all get down on, and it, it's really peaceful. And I'm glad. What was that? What do you got? What was that face? I'm very intrigued. Well, now I feel like if you do want me to come back on, like we should, I should talk with Vance. Oh, he's yeah, he's uh, I love him to death. He's definitely the more aggressive one of the two of us. <laughs> no, no, no. But I just, <laughs> I think the thing that's so interesting is that it's like. I too, at one point, considered myself an atheist, a hundred percent. But, like, I believe in ancestral occurrences, and I believe in like energy connection. And as a result, like, I don't feel like you can absolutely make yourself an atheist. Like, you have to put yourself an agnostic, which totally irritates me. <laughs> that irritates me to no fucking end, right? Uh, like, no. I get it. 
I hate and that so what I don't I, know. I really do, but I can't. Same. I can't claim that I know anything. But like, that's what I love about watching Ricky Gervais's movies. Like, I don't know if you've seen him have like a complete existential breakdown in like every project he's ever done. Hmm. No, but, I like, like Ricky. He, actually, I like some of the stand-up. Yeah. So he did like this awesome movie. I mean, it was a fine movie, right? Like, whatever. Um, it was it was a fine. It was a movie like where basically like you could never lie about anything. But his mother was, like, very scared, and she was dying. And so he, like, made up this whole, like, there's heaven. And Ricky Gervais is a staunch, devoted staunch atheist. Staunch atheist. Staunch, right? And he, like, makes up this entire story. And it basically is, like, this validation of, like, why, like, religion, all of these things to make death more palatable even exists. Mm-hmm. Then, then cut to, have you seen his, like series afterlife yeah well not the entire i haven't like locked in but i've seen bits and pieces it's amazing yeah like it really is just his own like commentary on death and like the way that he views just like the experience of it is like it basically says like cool i'm a fucking atheist does that does that keep me from being sad about death no no it doesn't change anything no and like that's the thing like my dad and i get arguments all the time He's like, you gotta be strong if you're gonna be a death. You gotta be a strong. Like, being a death doula does not protect you from grief. Yeah, emotions still real. Yeah, it <laughs> just helps you be in the trenches with someone when they need you. Like, that's it, dude. Dude, that's that, yeah, man. This like literally, I want you're coming back. I hope I. I hope, I'm not even asking you. <laughs> this is just you. Are just you will be coming back, and I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> me too it was fun. Dude, this was awesome man thank you very much for coming i do just have to add one addendum to end the show with uh we are america's number one most conservative podcast so god made everything <laughs> heaven exists and we're all going to heaven i'll see you guys next week everybody